0: Listening to SBS on the money with Ricardo Gonçalves. Hi, everyone. It's your
1: daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 15th of February, 2023. Actually, it's uh, an extended version because we've got two CEO interviews. Uh, later, we'll speak with the CEO of Cochlear, Dig Howitt. But first, to the Commonwealth Bank, which posted a record half-year cash profit of $5.15 billion. That's an increase of 9%, thanks to rising net interest margins. Shareholders will get a $2.10 per share interim dividend. That is an increase of 20%. So for more on the results, the economy, and what he thinks about the Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe, I spoke earlier with Commonwealth Bank CEO, Matt Common. Matt, a record half-year profit as net interest margins grow, so that gap between interest earned on loans compared with interest paid on deposits fell. The ACCC is today saying it will investigate the timing of when banks raise rates for savers. So to what extent are savers getting the raw end of the deal?
2: Well, Ricardo, there's a couple of uh, factors that really contributed to the strong uh, profit result. Uh, First of all, just the strong growth in our customer numbers. We've added more than 2 million new accounts. Uh, You touched on the net interest uh, margin, which comes from an increase uh, in the cash rate. I'll come back on that. And, of course, the economy, uh, very low levels of loan impairment, which uh, fed through to a higher profit number. There's a couple of things in particular we we make sure that we're passing on for both deposits and loans largely in lockstep either when they're going up or in a falling rate cycle and loans and deposits so that from a timing perspective and then on a day-by-day basis we're trying to strike the right balance for what to charge our customers who have a home loan who are of course seeing a rapid increase uh, in, in interest rates across the market albeit a very competitive one what to charge for business loans, but then also how to support our depositors and savers. In that particular area, we've got a number of very competitive offers in market, like a 4% 12-month TD, a very uh, attractive 4% on our award-winning award award saver and goal saver product. We're always trying to strike the right balance. We recognise the scrutiny that the banking system is always under uh, and we welcome the opportunity to participate in the review by the ACCC.
1: On interest rates, a lot of attention, especially today, on the effectiveness of the RBA Governor Philip Lowe's leadership. What do you make of his tenure?
2: Well, from my perspective, I've had the opportunity to to work closely with the Governor over the last five years. Uh, And I would say that uh, central bank governors around the world find themselves in an invidious position. Inflation is well above uh, target or where any of us would like it. They're having to raise rates, which, of course, is very unpopular, none more so than in Australia, uh, given uh, most customers are on uh, variable uh, debt or home loans in particular. And so he's having to weigh up, as the Reserve Bank is more broadly, a difficult set of choices about how to bring inflation under control. Of course, the primary measure through monetary policy to do that is to lift the cash rate. That's a very unpopular decision and it also, and we see this acutely, is a source of uh, concern and worry for our customers, understandably. From our perspective, our focus is making sure that we're supporting as many of them as possible.
1: So just how are your customers placed to meet these increased home loan repayments and are there any groups out there, whether that be demographics, cultural background or a particular geography, that are more prone to defaulting and potentially losing their home?
2: Well, as our result today demonstrated, at least to 31 December, and some of our credit indicators or the uh, loans that might be behind in their repayments are lagging indicators, so they're sort of looking backwards, but we're at record low levels, which uh, shows that the economy in aggregate is still uh, very strong, as are households, as we look forward. And at this point in time, households have only felt about 50% of the increases in the cash rate. There's no question that, in our view, uh, the vast majority of people uh, will be able to manage through that period uh, quite comfortably. But, of course, within that, there are customers that are going to have more difficulty. We look at a range of different factors, often in terms of what sort of savings surplus they might have, whether they're, uh, how far ahead they are on their repayments, Uh, and their overall financial position. Of course, individual circumstances can really come into effect. Uh, Luckily, we have record low levels of unemployment in Australia. That's really important Uh, in in previous... uh, more challenging cycles the unemployment rate has been much higher and of course it's near on impossible to repay your loan if you don't have a job and so just like we did through COVID we recognise there's going to be an important period to support our customers and we're certainly going to be very focused on that throughout the course of this year and beyond.
1: Now, you're optimistic of a soft landing for the Australian economy. However, we're seeing more and more experts revise up their expectations for the terminal cash rate. Rates are now higher than what even your bank expected them to be earlier. So is that soft landing under threat?
2: Well, we, as you said, our, our view is that uh, well, the cash rate will go to 3.85% or two more uh, Uh, increases in the cash rate, as there has been for some time. There is considerable uncertainty and therefore risk associated with that. We think the economy will slow during the course of the year, uh, but we think that there is a narrow path to a a, a soft landing. Uh, We believe that's still uh, possible and certainly highly desirable. Uh, And as we look uh, forward over a longer time frame, uh, we remain very optimistic about Australia's uh, prospects uh, over the longer term.
1: You've also paused regional bank closures for now, but what do you see as the role of branches in this day and age? Is the hard truth that the days of the branch are numbered, even though they are important to community groups like multicultural communities?
2: Uh, Branches are important uh, for a range of different customers, from personal customers to right the way through to small businesses. We have the largest branch network. Our commitment is to retain the largest uh, branch network. And uh, in banking, just like many other industries over the last few years in particular, we have seen a rapid adoption uh, to digital banking. So we haven't seen the same sorts of Uh, volume of people coming through our branch network that of course over time uh, sees us look to uh, change the footprint but as you mentioned uh, we only had a small number of changes planned uh, to our regional network over the course of this calendar year but out of respect for the committee's request and the inquiry that's underway we've paused that uh, and we look forward to participating in the inquiry and and uh, explaining uh, what we have planned.
1: Finally, CBA invests a lot of money in technology. What do you see as the next big thing in banking tech?
2: Oh, I think um, the, probably the, the thing that most people are talking about in worlds of technology is clearly just what's happening in and around artificial intelligence and you know, generative AI and chat GPT. Uh, certainly, I think, grabbed worldwide attention. There's applicability, I don't think anyone's entirely sure about how that will be used more broadly, but when we think about uh, even the use of um, analytics and how we power our mobile banking app, one of the things we announced this week is we have a feature in our mobile banking app called Benefits Finder. It helps customers link to any uh, entitlements that they might have, rebates or government entitlements. We've just deposited uh, now more than $1 billion into our, our customers' bank accounts. Uh, and it's important, it helps us serve our customers better uh, and to be able to deliver a better experience. And so I think the increasing use of analytics to serve better customer experience is probably going to be you know, a significant area of focus uh, for banking and many other industries.
1: Matt Common there, the CEO of the Commonwealth Bank. And Commonwealth Bank shares uh, actually fell 5.7% today on a day where the S&P ASX 200 declined 1.1%, 7,352 for more. And starting with why investors didn't like the banking results. I spoke earlier with James Gerrish. He is a portfolio manager at Shoreham Partners.
3: I think you've got to look at it in the context of where the shares uh, are trading at. So they're trading at all-time highs. Um, You know, they're up 10% for the year. They've well and truly outpaced the performance of the other banks. So, you know, today's result was a a meet but not a beat. The market was probably expecting more of a a beat uh, in terms of their numbers. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that um, was was quite obvious in the numbers was the net interest margin uh, was a lot stronger than it was um, previously, up 23 basis points, but it did peak in October and has trended lower into December. So there's signs there that perhaps um, you know, the, the aggressive competition in the mortgage market is going to erode some of the benefits that um, higher interest rates do have on bank margins.
1: Plenty of other profit results coming out today, the likes of West farmers, Cochlear, Fortescue, for example. Which ones caught your attention and why?
3: Yeah, huge, a huge day on the results front, Ricardo. So, I mean, West Farmers had a, a really strong result. They beat by about nine percent at the EBIT, EBIT line. Um, so that was a strong result, driven by Kmart as well as their um, as well as their fertilizer, energy, and chemicals business. Uh, Bunnings was pretty much in line with expectations. Uh, Catch and office works were slightly weak, but that was a good result. And plus, the first five weeks of trading. Uh, this calendar year has been uh, on par with this time last year, so that was positive. Uh, you know Fortescue had some uh, an inline result, but they flagged some cost pressures so costs uh, c one cash costs are up about fourteen um, percent uh, from this time last year as well um, so that 's a bit of an impost um, in terms of cochlear it was a great result. they beat expectations and they you know announced a buyback, which is probably a, a bit of a surprise. They maintained their full year guidance, but they probably could have. Um, you know, increase their full year guide. So um, Vicinity was one that caught my eye today, the shopping um, centre landlord. Um, you know, they had a better result than the market feared. There wasn't a lot of upside built into that result, but they, you know, came out and delivered a, a pretty reasonable result in a tough operating environment.
1: We're progressing through reporting season. Are there any trends that you're seeing so far?
3: Yeah, I think it's very sector-specific and stock-specific, but overall, I think, you know, one of the trends I'd highlight and Fortescue experienced this today was, um, you know, rising costs. So um, labour costs and energy costs are, are creating a bit of an issue for the miners. Um, in the industrial space, it's very much a mixed bag, but outlooks have been um, a little bit tepid. Retail, as uh, you'd expect, has probably been a little bit weaker overall, given the impost of higher interest rates and the expectation that things are going to get a little bit tougher From here, Um, you know, property, the expectations in property were low. So some of these um, areas have probably beat um, downbeat expectations in the office space would be an example uh, of that. So, you know, a mixed bag. There's no, um, you know, there hasn't been any really clear trends. The only obvious one would be, you know, reluctance to provide really clear guidance uh, going forward, given, you know, the my rate of issues that we're facing at the moment.
1: And finally, uh, while ultimately it was the Commonwealth Bank that's leading the share market lower today, we did open down following that uh, US inflation report, a 0.1% fall, 6.4% annually. While it's down from its peak, to what extent are now is the market now worried that it'll be harder for inflation or consumer prices to come down to the Fed's target, and what are the implications?
3: Yeah, well, it's probably not going to come down as quickly as it has so far. So, you know, this is the seventh monthly decline in terms of the CPI print. So it peaked at 9.1% and we've tracked lower um, each month since. You know, the market was looking for 6.2. It came in at 6.4, so slightly above where the market was anticipating. But, um, you know, I think the composition is also important. So over in the US there's a big component of the CPI print, which is shelter. Um, You know, since this, that was up. 0.7 month on month um so that drove a fair amount of the um you know that drives a, a fair component of the cpi more recent data shows that rents and the like are coming off more rapidly than perhaps was shown in this number so you know to me at the moment i don't think that you know the overnight number changed a lot of thinking in the market bond yields over in the us were up slightly but not meaningfully so so um you know to me the market's still got you know us fed funds rate peaking at um Five and a quarter um, later in the year, around July, and uh, futures are pricing in the RBA to um, hike rates to 4.15% by um, August of this year. So uh, the market's still factoring in higher rates, but I don't think yes, uh, yeah, yeah, the CPI print overnight changes that.
1: James Gerish there from and Partners. Now to my interview with the CEO of hearing implant maker Cochlear. It's Dig Howard, where we talk profit, the pandemic effect and inflation. So Dig, sales revenue rose to a record, but profit is down 16%. Can you explain what's behind those headline numbers?
0: Yeah, so we're um, obviously running the business to grow revenue. We've got a huge opportunity to help more people here um, and our growth in revenue is an indicator that we're actually helping more people get better hearing outcome and get on with their, their lives. In terms of the profit, well, we don't manage our profit to a half year. We manage it to a full year, and we aim to reinvest as much as we possibly can, both in our technology and in growing uh, awareness. So, yeah, the, the profit was was down, um, but the key thing is the revenue was up, and, and the profit was down because we're reinvesting in our future, um, both in terms of Customer, technology for customers, internal technology and awareness of uh, solutions for hearing loss.
1: Let's go into that in more detail. You say that there remains a significant, unmet and addressable clinical need for your products. Where and how well placed are you to meet that need?
0: Okay, yeah, so great question. So in um, cochlear implants, children in developed markets are typically very well served. You know, in Australia, over 95% of children born with significant hearing loss will get access to cochlear implants, which is terrific. And that's true across many most developed countries. However, adults who would benefit from a cochlear implant uh, around the world, fewer than 5% who would benefit into the developed world get access. Now, in Australia, we're a little bit higher than that. We're probably about 8%. So the vast majority of adults with significant hearing loss don't get to, to an implant. If we look at acoustic implants, the num- that number's about 2%. Um, and then if we look at children in emerging countries, it's fewer than 10% of the children who would benefit from an implant get access. So we've got opportunity in every country in the world, and we want to invest as much as we can within, within parameters that, that make us sustainable to raise awareness, to build the clinical evidence to support that and make sure we've got the product portfolio to give people uh, the best outcomes we can achieve.
1: When you say you're investing, obviously you're looking at new technology as well. What kind of new tech is on the horizon?
0: Yeah, so we just uh, just launched Nucleus 8 in the last half. Uh, so this is an external sound processor that works with our implants um, it's smaller than anything we've done before. Importantly, has very more powerful signal processing to suppress background noise, to enable people to focus on a speaker that's in front of them and not uh, people who might be talking either side or background noise. And it has new um, next-generation Bluetooth connectivity to be able to connect to more devices um, and also in public places like cinemas to be able to connect to Bluetooth. That will come over time. Our devices are now ready for that. Um, you know, we spend over $200 million a year uh, in uh, on R&D. We've got a very broad range of um, new products and services that we're working on. Two
1: final questions. We can't talk to a CEO and not talk about inflation. Um, what kind of cost pressures are you seeing in your business?
0: So the majority of what we spend, half of what we spend, is on people. So what we're looking for is wage and salary, Cost inflation. Uh, we obviously we're a global company, so we look at this globally, and we're certainly seeing more pressure there. You know, we have been in, increasing wages faster than we have over the last five years, as you'd expect with with inflation uh, rising. Um, and that's important that we retain people. It's also important that um, we uh, we we don't get ahead of ourselves. There, we, we all know that if wage inflation runs ahead of headline inflation, then we we can have inflation. Get even worse so we're careful i think people understand that um but that's where we see the the pressure most um but at the moment it's, it's certainly quite manageable at this stage
1: and just finally you had a, a unique insight during the pandemic on how hospitals were coping in terms of things like wait time staffing challenges what are you seeing right now
0: certainly seeing um increases in hospital capacity so we're seeing uh, more surgeries, more, more throughput. Again, in Australia, in the US and through, uh, through Western Europe, actually through across the whole world, there's still more to go. Their healthcare systems remain under pressure in most countries. Uh, and it's less so now the impact of COVID. It's much more staffing, uh, shortages of nurses, shortage of frontline healthcare workers, and that's a, a global issue. Um, and so we're certainly watching out. For that and that's again not surprising with population growth and with an aging population around the world that there is more demand on healthcare systems and we all need to adjust and adapt to uh, meet that demand dig howard there, cochlear ceo this sbs on the money podcast is provided for informational purposes only content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy.